Dr. Paul Osterhaus from Australia, and I'm going to call you Winston. That's what we've called you, our whistleblower, our WB. Um, you are not known to me uh, by your, your actual name, and I want to keep it that way. I've already done the interview with you, and that has gone out. And this interview I am recording on the eve of us putting the pre-recorded data exposure interview. I'm recording this because I want to drop it just after we have put out the data. Welcome to you both. Dr. Paul, I was on an Australian podcast with you, Cafe Lockdown. That's where I met you first. And you were very passionate about learning about the data, the whistleblower's data. Tell us about that. Well, uh, I've been uh, an opponent. Uh, well, I've been a proponent of VAX safety. Uh, and somehow that makes you an anti-vaxxer. Um, and um, the government hasn't been forthcoming with the data. There's been a lot of obfuscation, uh, and um, I've been waiting to, to get solid data that we can see the true effects uh, and the true safety of the so-called vaccine or non-vaccine. So before we get into that, can you give us a brief overview of your journey through the COVID-19 response? You, like many of us, have suffered greatly during this, haven't you, for speaking out? Yes. Uh, well, I'm, I was an anaesthetist for 32 years. I worked in anaesthetics and critical care. And so I had an interest in keeping people out of hospital. Um, uh, and I, early on, uh, understood that COVID could be treated. And I, I was passionate about getting the word out about early treatment. But I was also very critical about government policy on lockdowns and masks. And I, in particular, I was very concerned that children who didn't have a risk from, from, from COVID um, were being put at risk uh, unnecessarily. And I tweeted the then Health Minister Brad Hazard here in New, New South Wales, with a chart of infection fatality rate by age, and said and showed that these children, high school kids who were being vaccinated, 24,000 were being vaccinated on that day, were not at risk of COVID, uh, and said if there was even one kid that died from this 24,000, you had a signal of harm, Brad Hazard, and you would be culpable. Uh, within two hours, I had become a um, uh, I was subject to a suspension hearing um, as a, as a I, I went to the hearing, uh, I, I gave my evidence, they, they ignored it uh, and said, well, you're guilty of violating the gag order. And I, I thought that was totally unacceptable because you cannot have informed consent uh, without free discussion. Uh, people need to know both the risks and the benefits. So. Uh, I warned the medical council that that they were putting, they were breaching medical ethics, they were breaching the law, and um, so I subsequently sued sued the medical council in the Supreme Court of New South Wales, and um, they dropped my suspension. But I've continued to be a, a great critic of of government policy and of these synthetic gene injections, which they're calling vaccines. And in doing all of that, you became a hero to many in Australia, Dr. Paul. And on that basis, and on the basis of Cafe Lockdown, 
Winston Smith, I'll call you. Um, ironically, of course, if anybody knows Orwell's book, yeah. Winston Smith, I came to you and I said, I believe that we should have a trans-Tasman connection with this important data that you are bringing, not only to New Zealanders, but to the world. And I believe Dr. Paul is a man to bring over to have a look at the data. What was your first what was your first impression of him when uh, we brought him over to New Zealand? I just fell in love with the guy right from the get-go. He's 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 a beautiful human being. And um yeah, he's uh, he speaks from the heart and he's he's got a lovely heart. And um yeah, I, I really respect him for what he's done. I respect the stand that he took, the courage and um, you know, what he had to go through. And yeah, the just the tenacity to get it to get where he is now. It's just it's an honor to meet you, sir. <laughs> and I feel like it's more than mutual. Thank you. It's a great honor to meet you. Yeah. Every one of those words would apply to you, Winston Smith. Every one oh, of them. Shucks. So, Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Paul, when you came to New Zealand and you saw the data for the first time, take us into that. What was your reaction? Well, I, I was holding back the tears, I think, was the first reaction. Um, because it, um, this is not just numbers. This is names, places, um, dates, um, and it, it's not anonymous. It's not anonymous. Uh, we, we have been given very, we've been, we've had data which has been obfuscated and and, and made murky. And but there are real names to each one of these, and and the scale. The scale of of, of, of the deaths, uh, both by site, by by vaccinator, uh, in our interview, you you mentioned that there was a vaccinator who had 400, 400 deaths, and I I was blown away because that was way worse than Harold Shipman, who was the famous uh, doctor. So we have an iatrogenic democide, a, a crisis. Um, yeah. And they're all unaware of it as well. They they have no clue what what they're doing. And um, you know, it's um, I feel sorry for them. I honestly do. Um, it's it's genuinely it's it's not their fault. They believe that they're doing the right thing. Um, but yeah, it's it's just got to stop. And it's it's yeah, it's not <clears throat> it's not the vaccinators' fault per se. It's the it's what who's telling them. And it's it's also there's a lot of things you can get into. It, it could be the, the batch ID, um, where the where the site is located, um, the vaccination center itself, um, and a million other a million other factors that might point to why those numbers are so high at certain places. But yeah, the, the data is real. Um, it's a hundred percent. It's it's from the government. It's the people's data, and I, I strongly believe it, it belongs to them. Um, I'll protect as many names as possible. Uh, there will be no identifiable information on there, but the dates and times and locations, I'll let the world see. And that is a very important point to bring out at this stage. You had two rights, if you like, to weigh up. The right of privacy, the right of, of privacy of information is one that we accord great respect to in every society. But I believe, and I know that you agree with me, Winston, there is a far more important right that we must honour, and that is the right to expose criminal action. 
by anybody, including by our ministers of the crown who are meant to be serving the people. And that is your courage to come forward and expose that. That's extraordinary, Dr. Paul, isn't it? It is an extraordinary level of courage that he's showing. Without this level of transparency, uh, it would not be clear the scale of what is going on. Um, it, it, it is, it, and um, it was hard to believe until I actually met uh, Winston and um, and understood his involvement in setting up um, integral in understanding where this data came from and setting up the database. And um, that there's there's just no question about about the numbers that uh, that these that that we have a lot of dangerous uh, deadly batches that uh, would not be possible if if this product was safe uh, and effective it's it's definitely answer dr paul can you go deeper into that because it is beyond any doubt that this no longer can be said to be a, of natural causes or by chance, or this would have happened anyway, all these reasons that have been put about when people have died suddenly as a result of this jab. What does this data show beyond any reasonable doubt to you? It, it, it shows that um, there are deadly batches, uh, numbers that just can't be ignored. Um, which makes it a dangerous product. Um, there are lots of things that, have, that have come out already from the data and will continue to come out, um, but it didn't protect grandma. Mm. We, we know that there are a lot of elderly people who who, who died, and the, the thing without this record level data, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have and I wouldn't have understood the time dependency. You know, because we know exactly when the person was vaccinated and when they died, um, and and the proportions. You know, uh, in some of these sites, it was worse than playing Russian roulette. Um, uh, these are in, incredible death ratios because we know exactly how many people were vaccinated in, in these sites on these days at these times, and that was the thing that impacted me. Seeing the lists of vaccinated at this time and then five minutes later and two minutes later and two minutes later and then the scatter of delayed deaths it's the delayed deaths it, that it, I wasn't prepared for that and, and none of there's been no transparency from government about that and without this sort of data uh, it, that would not have been um, possible Winston your comments on that as you were amassing this bravely for the world was that what was hitting you as well? Yeah, well, um, looking at the data, that's the last thing you expect to see. Um, it's the last thing you want to see. Um, it's it's hideous when you look at it and you realize that these are actually human lives. So when I actually connected the dots and you know, put the, the dates of death in there, if you were scrolling through the data, ordinarily you'd see one or two deaths pop up when, as you're scrolling through hundreds and hundreds, and that would reflect the underlying mortality rate. But then when you see a, a whole bunch of them, 10 at a time, 20 at a time, 30 at a time, and then you realize it's the same vaccination center. And 
usually the same vaccinator as well, the same person doing it. And then you look at the times between those and you realize that 30 people were all vaccinated within two hours of each other in a two hour stretch. And now those people are no longer with us. That's heart wrenching. That is awful. And the thing is that it's, they don't all die at the same time. They all die at different times, but you know, people will start to realize there are a lot more people, old people dying now. And it's, it could be, you know, because of this, it could, prove me wrong. Prove yeah, this, this data wrong. This crime couldn't, couldn't have been revealed as clearly without this data. And that's why this transparency is so important. Um, but Paul, what would you say to somebody who, who looks at it and says, but some of these are, are in their 80s and 90s, they simply would have died anyway. Give the answer to that from your viewing of the data. It, it's, it's just not possible in the numbers that they have died. That's exactly right. Sorry, you, yeah, it's just not possible. Uh, uh, we, we've looked at the statistical analysis of this. Yes, elderly people have been were largely affected. And to me, in some ways, that was reassuring that, that, that we weren't seeing huge numbers of young people. Um, but it's just the sheer volume. It, it goes well beyond what you could reasonably expect. And I have looked at data on people under 40, and it is shocking, Paul. I don't know that you've seen those pages because there is such an enormity of data for people in future months and years to get into from this amount of, of information. There will be proper scientists, ethical scientists, studying this, I believe, Winston, for years to come, years to come. Well, to let's hope so. Never happen again. Mm. And let's let's hope it's real science and not the Fauci science and that they do actually do a good job of analysis and they're transparent and truthful. Because I mean, the, the, it should go with science that, you know, the Hippocratic Oath should follow and that first do no harm and then do good. We must all abide by that. So if 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 you're looking at this with an agenda to try and hide what the data shows, then... No, you, you shouldn't be looking at it at all. You've got to look at it with open eyes. And I'm I'm not biased with it. I wish I wish this was not a thing, but these it's statistics, it's mathematics at the end of the day. And when you, you calculate the properties, you, the, the probabilities, you realize that it's it's just off the scale. This vaccine is a killer. It's a, you know, we're talking about a hundred billion to one against it, not being a killer. It's just yeah, unreal. On that note, let's get into the first slide then and go through this with you, Dr. Paul. Yep, just give me a moment. And I think um, while you're doing that, for me, Paul, it was in Winston a marriage of his uh, absolute understanding of numbers and statistics and mathematics and the importance of those to tell the truth a marriage of that with his deep humanity, his deep caring. He didn't just see these as numbers any more than you did. Would you agree with that, Paul? Yes, sir. absolutely. 
Uh, I mean, this this first figure, um, uh, Winston noticed that um, days where 120 people that you had deaths of over 120 were, were there were years where where this didn't happen, and and that. Can we bring the slide up? We haven't got the slide on the screen yet. Okay. It's all, I'm, 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 so it'll show the Christchurch earthquake. Um, so this go this this figure one goes back to 2012, uh, and you can see the Christchurch um, there it is uh, earthquake uh, as one of the lines, and then you can see those blank spaces. That's whole years where the there wasn't uh, New Zealand's not such a big country that you, you expect to see 120 people die in, in a single day, and each one of those lines is 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 a day that exceeds that number. You can see uh, a flu pandemic. You can see the Christchurch massacre uh, as a, as a red line, and and then look at the look at the clusters of 120 per de dead per day. Um, since since the uh, since the vaccine, it's um, you, you you saw some deaths around um, COVID, but it's it's a solid. It's so many days now, you know, day after day. It's 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 a tragedy, you know. Um, and and this is and this is record level data. It's something. Yeah. Dramatic has happened, and of course, New Zealand is, was in like Australia was uh, in a unique situation in that it, it didn't have uh, uh, a lot of COVID um, uh, before before the the, the rollout. So, uh, yeah, were, weren't we already vaxxed before we even got COVID? Pretty much. Yes, I think we were. We were we were one of the lucky country other the lucky countries that already had a vaccination program, but almost no COVID. We went for months and months without COVID, I remember. Yeah. Yes, Let's uh, just discuss uh, wh why the 120 number here, Winston. Just make that clear. Uh, the, These the are one, deaths over 120 yeah, per um, day. 120 people per day. It's just a number that I came up with to to show um that you know usually how rare it is how rare it should be to have that many people die in one day and if you look at the the chart there um on the left is like um paul said there's a christchurch earthquake which is the outlier and then there's all there's nothing 2013 not a single day where you had that many people die and then 2014 is one or two um Nothing for 2015, 2016. Um, yeah, very few and far between. And then you get a you get a big hit, a flu epidemic. Well, it's big up to then. Um, I think that was July 2017, then 2018, pretty quiet. 2019, pretty quiet. And then it starts ticking up um, more or less after the vaccination rollout, which is kind of suspicious and, and where you, it's deep black it means so many days as you said Paul yes. so many days are exceeding 120 so as you said Winston it's like many versions of the Christchurch massacre are now happening in New Zealand every it is ab absolutely and uh, not talked about not to take anything away from the Christchurch massacre which was you know it was horrific um but we are seeing 
um, an equal number of people sometimes um, dying um, and it's just not being talked about. It's just nothing. It's just, um, oh yeah, excess mortality. It's there's more people died in New Zealand than ever before. You know, year on, year on year, year on year, 8%, 8%. And now it's it's just nobody's nobody's talking about it. It's it's weird. And this is global as well. It's, so it's, it's not just New Zealand. This is a thing that's happening in all the countries of the world. Yes, I think I, I, I think it makes the point that a, a silent massacre is going on, and, and this is why it has to be addressed. The causes exactly. have to be understood. Well, this is excess mortality, and it does need to be addressed. It does need to be debated, and as you know, Andrew Bridgen says in the UK Parliament, it might be the first debate about it, but it, by God, it will not be the last. And then for those who say, Paul, oh, well, those, those deaths could be due to COVID itself. Here we have, well, yes, perhaps Winston, if you take us through this. Yeah, this is the, the Worldometer website, which anyone can look at. And what it shows here is um, the, the daily deaths per day um, from or with COVID in New Zealand. So we have the, the, the peak here, that, that line that sticks right up is... Um, July the 30th, 2022, um, where there were over 60 deaths attributed to COVID, which when you think about it, July is the, the peak flu season anyway. It's, it's when most people tend to die off in the middle of winter, and that's in every country. It's uh, nothing special about New Zealand. But on this particular day, there was over, over 60 who were said to have um, you know, succumbed to COVID. Uh, so after that, it just drops off. It drops off quite dramatically. I mean, that's a, it's a big peak and a big drop down. And then after that, what we have um, pretty consistently, numbers under, um, under 10 attributed to with or from COVID. So the, the deaths from COVID um, are basically that there's, there's none anymore. Nobody's dying from COVID. However, the mortality rate, the, the, the death rate is still going up from this point. So if you look at, if you look at that 2022, um, 23, if you look at the previous one, 2022, 23, wow. those thick black lines. So if you, if you just superimpose those two together, the thick black line is happening right after peak COVID. When in fact COVID, Deaths, supposed COVID deaths had, had dropped right away. Yeah, you see and that then, it's on the chart, there peak deaths from COVID, they're the black line, and there's, there's still more, it's still going on. Take us to this green line too, the monthly, yeah. the monthly um, data. Explain yeah. that. The monthly data is, um, the, the, I think, Paul, you, you can speak to it better. Yeah, well, it, it's, it's a way of representing it as a rate. Uh, and and uh, although it's a little bit compressed there, you can see the lack of deaths. Uh, th on this chart, on figure one, you can see it's it's basically zero. And there's and then you, it, it lifts clear off zero. It, it's showing the sustained whack of these 120 days, one after the other. Um, and uh, on figure three, you, you can see its relationship to, to the Vaxifon. 
you know. Yes, that, let's that, go and, to that and, one now. There's so many lines there that you can't, it just seems, there you go. There's so many lines there that you can't, <laughs> you can't resolve them. So when you zoom in, you can see uh, quite a coincidence there, you know. I say I'm not a conspiracy theorist, I'm a coincidence theorist. Uh, and look at the relationship to to that to that uh, vaxophone. Yeah. So this is the chart from 2020, and as you say, these if we look at the monthly one, these are the number of days within that month where you've had more than 120 people dying. So if there's no people, there's no um, days over 120, the the monthly one will be zero. That green line will be a flat line zero. And then if the there are two or three or more days where there's more than 120 people dying, you'll get a blip and you've got a huge blip here. And just after the Vaxathon, that thick black line, those are, are days and days and days where more than 120 people have died. And it's it's um, way after the vaccine rollout as well. So as you see here, these blue lines, you've got the border workers, you've got the frontline workers, elderly and the at risk, and then July, 2021, sorry. You've got um, the main rollout and then a vaxathon. So, you know, this COVID was over by this stage, but the increased mortality rate wasn't. It's only just getting started at this time. So with no, with no COVID, how do you explain the increase in mortality? That's right. We also had Omicron, which uh, by then which greatly reduced the lethality of, of, of COVID um, globally. So it was at a time that um, COVID wasn't, wasn't um, the killer that it was early on. And it was at a time that uh, coincides with, with the drive to give this injection. It's very sobering. It's it's very sobering to me, even though it is statistical and mathematical and, and graph represented. To me, I also see gravestones. I see families. I can feel I can feel that pressure of humans and families torn apart when I look at those lines. They represent so much more than just lines, don't yeah. they? That's the hard part about looking at this data is, um, mm -hmm. you know, as, as a DBA, you just see letters and numbers. That's that's your job, uh, just a table, rows and columns of data. And uh, a lot of, the, you know, it's just meaningless a lot of the time. But when then when you connect it to a, a DOD, a date of death, you realize that, you know, some someone is sad at this point. You know, there's, someone is hurt and that's, that's someone's mother, grandmother, grandfather friend relative whatever it's, there is sadness here and it's getting more it's getting it's it's increasing you know so it's very hard to to look at this without thinking you know there is a lot of there's a lot of pain here there are a lot of people who are looking for closure and they <clears throat> they haven't got it from the government it's just you know turning a blind eye up until now and um yeah let, we're just gonna make them open their eyes and see. And from the government, from the mainstream media, Winston, and from, you know, the mainstream medical model as well. Those outliers like Dr. Paul understand it, but there are still many in our hospitals who are not looking at the truth of what's been unrolling. Mm. 
in front of their eyes. Yeah, I think they're seeing it. I think I think there's on some level they're seeing it because we see that in the Rasmussen polls, we're seeing it in the declining um, vaccination numbers. And of course, the concern now is the WHO wants to bring in mandates um, for future pandemics. And um, we have to look soberly at how we've behaved during COVID. Uh, and the, the, res the result of the, of the response the first time around, it doesn't give me any confidence uh, that the uh, international health regulations that they're changing and the the uh, the bringing in of the WHO pandemic treaties, um, we have to face the carnage of, of of COVID first. And the WHO pandemic treaties reach across uh, countries' boundaries, as it were, and remove a country's sovereignty. So it's extremely dangerous. Not to mention that the WHO is now funded, its primary funder is a corporate. It's the Gates Foundation. It's Bill Gates, whose name has not come through this COVID rollout with respect from a vast number of people around the world. He has lost the trust of many people in the world, including me. What would you both say to the people of New Zealand and Australia if they start to be sold a pandemic treaty run by the WHO as being a good idea for our health. What would you say, Dr. Paul, first of all? I, 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 I would say that if you didn't like medical martial law, which they call lockdowns, and if you didn't like mandates the first time around, it's time to make sure that your politicians know that we have to exit these treaties, that we have to exit uh, the WHO, because we're in danger of it repeating itself. And that's why it's so important. And Winston, your view? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And uh, I'd just like to add, who elected the who? Who are they? The United Nations body, unelected, controlled by corporates, like you say, very shadowy and sinister. And I'm not going to go down any, you know, rabbit holes or anything like that. But I just do not like an unelected body having total control over my life. And to tell a government, oh, this is this is how it's done now. It's ridiculous. And especially the things like the WEF. I mean, who's that Schwab? Klaus Schwab. Who elected? Who made him the leader? Who made him the boss of the world? He's literally a Bond villain. You just got to hear him. I half expect him to say, I've been expecting you, Mr. Bond. He's just, he just oozes evil. And, you know, I get very leery of um, Germans talking about elites and globalism. It didn't work out too well in 1939, and it's not going to work out too well now. I'm very, very wary of that organization. And those are crucial points by you both, but they also raise the specter of medical uh, medical tyranny being a doorway to governmental tyranny by the few who are the puppet masters for these paid-up politicians. There is a worldwide awakening to this. Yeah, Liz, this time Big Brother came with a stethoscope. Uh, so it's my, it's my profession 
that uh, that manifested this tyranny and and tore away, uh, as Winston said, um, do no harm, do good. Um, it, it's 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 torn it's torn my profession apart and it's made it into uh, a device of harm, mass harm. And and we have to face up to. And this is not the only data set that points to it. You know, Ed Dowd talks about it in his book Cause Unknown. The actuaries see it. The insurance industry sees it. Uh, it's present in the ex excess or cause mortality globally. Uh, so this is just further, further confirmation with hard data that it's real. It's real. But there are many data points pointing to this, and we have to face up to this um, uh, this doctor, this healthcare-related harm. That must really hurt, Paul, because you are such an ethical doctor. You are what doctors should be. You really live that edict of first do no harm, do good. So do you think the medical profession can come back from the crisis in which it finds itself where many doctors have potentially gone along with what they knew from the beginning was at least questionable, questionable if not wrong. Can those doctors be brought back and, and if you like, retrained back into an ethical model of medicine? I think we have to rebuild from scratch. Um, when I did the Lighthouse Declaration with uh, a couple of my colleagues, Robert Brennan and uh, Rosemary Lynn Cook, the psychologists, we were the first, uh, we were early suspendees. I was the first, but Robert was the second and Ros was the first psychologist. It was just a call to basic principles. This is not a high, you know, in the right of informed consent, the end of censorship. You know, I faced a lot of censorship. A lot of the messages that I put out uh, never made it to the public because because of the censors. Um, if you don't have free discourse, you don't have science, you have an ideology, and you don't have informed consent. And bodily autonomy is the you know is simply medical freedom and the right to say no to to procedures being done on you without your consent. And if we don't have bodily autonomy, we're already enslaved. You know, this is this is why these issues are, are, are crucial. Wow. I would go further and say if we have censorship at all, we cannot have democracy. They they are not they're not bedfellows. One rules out the other. Censorship stops any kind of real democracy in action. That's right. That's why we we I feel like we're living in 1984. Mm. You know, this this is not 2020 was 1984. And it's been 1984 ever since. Do you hold hope, though, for the medical profession? Do you think more are waking up now and that I, this data will wake I them up? I think people are waking up. Look, it has to stop. The, this, they're still giving these shots to children who don't need them and are being harmed. They're still giving these shots to pregnant women. Uh, we know that it, it, it has serious contamination issues. With, with uh, uh, Kevin McKernan's work, and now confirmed in multiple sites with the DNA contamination, uh, we're seeing the cancer clusters uh, uh, and the rising cancers that didn't happen. We're seeing the rising cardiovascular death, heart attacks, strokes, 
um, uh, we're, we're seeing evidence of things that I warned about in 2021, you know, that we, we that these shots would produce uh, um, antibody-dependent enhancement or vaccine-linked um, uh, immunodeficiency. And um, so it has no, it, it never had any uh, safety studies in, in pregnancy. It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't studied in in the high risk elderly uh, that we're seeing uh, dying in this data. Um, it needs to stop. It needs to stop. It needed to stop in 2021, uh, but it's long overdue that it needs to stop. You know, and and that's that's what drives me. That they're still giving this to children. They're still giving it to pregnant women. The, the, the governor is is still recommending these shots. The the advisory bodies, which have uh, you know have have been affected by co-opted by big pharma and and moneyed interest, and um, it's it's leading to untold suffering. And I think that's what this data shows uh, that we have to stop. Was there data, Winston, on? stillbirths, because Paul raises a very interesting point. I had young friends who were pregnant, and I could find no data in the early part of the rollout on breastfeeding, the risks and dangers of that, and certainly no data on the dangers to pregnant women and the risks of stillbirths and miscarriage. Did you come across any of that? There, There is no data, as far as I'm aware, on that. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Difficult question. Um, it really is. And I hope it will be answered um, one day. Um, we, we can only, I can only show you what I can show you. Um, that, that it is what it is. And to go back to um, Dr. Paul's point about bodily autonomy, I mean, man, that is just, that is everything to me. And I, I absolutely your body is the most precious thing that you've got and you should never ever be forced to undertake a procedure that you do not want just to keep your job and when when a polit politician said nobody was forced that's an absolute lie they made you do it and that is that is just sickening to me so yes your body your body is first and we need to ratify the, the Nuremberg Accord. It, it, we need to look at it again. It's like what came out of Nazi Germany after World War II. You should not ever, ever experiment on human beings. And yet, what are we, do, what are we doing now? This is crazy. It's, this is absolutely crazy. And we've, we've just you got know, to go. It's coercion. It, it, there, was, there was coercion. It was clear coercion. And absolutely. You say that there was no coercion. And coercion obfuscates, it, it, it nullifies informed consent. There's no way you could say, you know, it's um, it's like the difference between a consensual sexual relationship and rape, you yes. know? Um, it, it's chalk and cheese and, and, and they're nullifying it and they're minimizing it. I remember when I used the term bodily autonomy, which is just bodily freedom, the right to say no, my body, my choice, um, my colleagues sneered they sneered as if i'd made up a term you know and so that just to answer your question liz um, is the hope for my profession I, I i i think that they have to really i think it has to be rebuilt from the ground up 
because they've lost their moorings totally. Um, and, um, and the trust that's been lost by the public is deserved. It is deserved. Uh, and so I, I, until they recognize and, and really look at how, how far they've become unmoored from, from their ethics, I, I would say there's no hope. It, we have to rebuild, rebuild the healing, healing profession, rebuild the regulators, um, rethink everything. I will add in here another whistleblower from a year and a half ago, Dr. Uh, Bruce Dooley, who lives in the northern part of the South Island, came forward and told us about something called the FSMB, the Federation of State Medical Boards in Texas, in America, which rules all medical councils and medical boards around the world. And it, it became very clear in that interview, they are like the enforcement arm for big pharmaceutical. And they were set up, that, that FSMB was set up in 1913 by Rockefeller Influence. Now, I'll, I'll attach that interview for people who haven't seen that, but it shows that our medical councils are absolutely fallen around the world. And Joan Simeon, the head of the New Zealand Medical Council, heads the international arm of the FSMB, which shows that New Zealand has been focused on. And this leads into the idea that we are some kind of petri dish experimental nation. I'll just drop that in there and we'll put that underneath this interview. But let's move on now, Winston, to the next slide and see just how this experiment has played out in this country. Yeah. Um, can you see that? It's the 20 worst sites for excess deaths. Um, so this is, this is a ratio um, of mortality rates. And if you, if you look at the, the map, you will see something which jumps out at me. Bearing in mind, one in three New Zealanders live in Auckland. There is something very unusual about that map. So what, what it's shown is these sites, there are, there are sites where there's clusters and a high ratio of deaths per site. And if you look, Auckland, there's only one or two. And the South Island, there's masses of them. You have the most sites of interest on the South Island. The most deaths are occurring on the South Island per capita. So yeah, you've got to wonder why, what, what is, what is happening here? And it is a, it's a, and it's a mind blown thing. You know, um, Auckland is a population center, um, relatively unscathed. Yeah. Christchurch and Invercargill and places like Gore got absolutely slammed. What jumps out at you, Dr. Paul, on this map? Well, um, I wouldn't want to be in the South Island. <laughs> um, it, 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 but it, it raises, it, ra it, it makes the point that there is some serious problem with the way this rollout um, was was conducted. That, you, you know, the, you would expect that the, the deaths would be evenly distributed and would be higher in the, in the, as Winston said, in the high population areas. And we're seeing areas that are more remote, that are, that are facing much, much, incredibly high rates of death proportionately. 
Uh, so there's a problem, and we can speculate as to the cause of what what led to this distribution, where uh, whether it was a, a effect of batches, whether it was effect of storage and handling. Um, uh, we'll but but this this shows it's unsafe that we have deadly batches, um, and 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 that they're being distributed largely in, in the South Island of um, New Zealand. And Winston, if you could put the cursor on the Christchurch area, that just for people from overseas, they can see that in the middle area of the South Island, that group uh, where we've had excess deaths, um, there are many sites in Christchurch, aren't there? I think it opens up to about eight Eight sites yep. altogether. Can you can you see that? Well, ten of the top twenty are in Christchurch alone. Are you That's able to see that? I'm that zooming is in. extraordinary. And down in the deep south, we will get into more detail in future slides on this. In the deep south of the South Island, where, as Dr. Paul said, it is not a populous area. There are far fewer people down there. So on the left there, we can see the total sites for jabbing New Zealanders. There were 1,391. And then a cluster, Winston, just explain what a cluster means. Well, what I, what I define a cluster as is a group of three or more um, in a row of people who, who died from a, an injection. So you, you could be injected within a couple of minutes of each other on a certain day at a certain time by a certain person, um, if, if you are no longer with us and there's a group of three or more, then that's a cluster. And, and the, those we those have those are, those are, um, 71. Yeah, those should be remote. Are you able to see this map? We oh, can just see the New problem? Zealand map. Okay, we can, sorry. We can see the map, but it's, it's not expanding. Um, okay, see if I can uh, do anything about that. New share. But we have 471 right clusters. Yep. Sorry about that. Sharing the wrong screen. Can you see that now? Uh, yes. Ah, that's better. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. This is the interactive one. I have to go off the slideshow to see this. So when you look at um, places like Auckland, here we go. Just drill down there. There's only only a couple of sites in Auckland. There's like 30% um, of the population of New Zealand live there. Um. So yeah, there's there's definitely questions that need to be asked about this. So you see, most of the South Island, you get nothing. Um, the big population centres, like uh, you've got um, most of the North Island, Palmerston, yeah, yeah, nothing. Palmerston, New Plymouth. Uh, you know that doesn't big, mean there weren't deaths there. It means oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're not, not in the top twenty. Not in the top twenty of, of clusters. Yes, exactly right. But then when you you go to South, you go to Christchurch and you start zooming in, it's like, oh my God, look at all those crosses. That's extraordinary. 10 of the top 20. And then when you go down Ashburn, not a big place. Um, and then These are all south, the hotspots. Yes. These are all in the top 20. And remote areas. I mean, for goodness sakes, you got... You got to ask questions. How come? How come? Yes. And the further in Vicargo, and I think 
But Invercargill was the worst of the lot. And places like Gore, Gore had two, two sites in the top 20. A little place like Gore. And then in Invercargill, if we zoom down on there. Uh, what do we see? And Gore has almost, it has a tiny population to have yeah. two sites with excess deaths. Yes, it's, it's 0.02% of the population. So it's, yeah, a very small population. Um, yeah, in Vicargo, I can't get it now, but um, there's one site called the Queen's uh, Outreach One, and it's got a cluster of 51 so that means 51 people died and they're all within two hours of each other. And it's, it's unbelievable. And it's like, this, this should be an inquiry. It's like, what, what exactly happened on that day to cause this? Because 51 people dying who were all injected at the same time, they didn't all die at the same time, but they were all injected at the same time. Now, no longer with us has you've got to ask some questions about that. It's like you're sitting on a bus with a group of people and you're one of 51 on the bus. And then a year later, you are the only one that survived out of the whole bus. It's like the chances, the chances of that are so remote. It's, you know, it's, it's almost impossible. That's what a statistician would say, almost impossible. But the, the real odds are like, you know, trillions to one against. So that, that basically points to, it's, if it's nothing else, Occam's razor, when, all, when you eliminate all of the factors, what are you left with? What is, what is the fundamental underlying cause of this? And the only thing that is left logically and scientifically is the vaccine itself. There's no other yes. cause. And we're being told it's climate change, it's going to sleep in front of the television, it's um, every sort of ridiculous coincidence. Uh, and the thing that's unique about this data set is I think it should, should show anyone um, that this, this is an unsafe product that had multiple, multiple bad batches that led to uh, um, unnecessary deaths. And there's no way it could have happened if it was safe. Let's, from both of you, before we move from this slide, there's one country and the data, you know, is from this one country. Now put it in the context of its relevance to other countries around the world. I want your views on how important this data set, Dr. Paul, is in your mind for showing other countries what may be going on there, even though they may not yet have the data set that we now have, thanks to this brave whistleblower. It's it's not isolated to um, New Zealand. This is this is a phenomenon which is is doubtless happening all around the world, wherever these products have been used. Um, and as more whistleblowers come forward uh, with with record level data. Um, we will see it. And this is the thing, it's been hidden. It, it's been hidden because my initial thought was, you know, you, you have a date of vaccination and you'd expect the deaths to happen, and certainly a lot do happen early and within the first two weeks. 
But what was the surprise was um, all these delayed deaths. Uh, and there's no way, if you didn't know that they'd all got the shot in, in a particular place, in a particular day with a particular batch, there's no way you would have seen this. So hats off um, to, to Winston for this because um, it, it makes the point very clear that uh, um, we, need an we need inquiries uh, and we need to stop the shot. We need multiple inquiries in every country around the world now. Winston, what, what is your desire? What is your wish to come from this crucial data? Yeah, um, lots of things, really. Um, I want more whistleblowers to come forward, definitely. Um, this, this is a thing. There are other databases around the world. New Zealand isn't the only system in place where we have this data. It's, it's everywhere. It'll be in all um, Western countries. They will have this data. They just have to be brave enough to get it out and show the people. And yeah, let's let's have a debate about it. Let's have an open discussion. Prove prove the data wrong. Um, you know, it's we're, we're all up. We're all open. We're all up for you know criticism. Whatever, bring it on. Um, show show us where we're wrong with the data. What is it we're missing? How how does this fit into the norm? When you're looking at a hundred billion to one chance, is that normal? No, not when there's only two point two million people in New Zealand, and it would take one vaccinator thirty eight years vaccinating twenty four seven nonstop to come up with a similar sized data set on a cluster of ten, not fifty one, ten. So the chances of it not being this impossible. So yeah, we we're seeing we have p values I've never seen. We're seeing p values. We'll talk about p values in a moment. Just a correction there: this database contains two point two million New Zealanders, but yeah. there are five point I think three million in New Zealand. That's the population. Five point two something at the last count that I saw. That's on another slide. But yes, this is not the only system in in the ministry that I work for. Um, it is probably the biggest, but it's it's a system that I was involved with right from the get beginning. I was um, helped build it, implement it, um, wrote some of it, supported it. Um, so it's I know I know this data. I know this data. Can you and tell us a bit more about, about this system that you built? Because other countries, let's hope, Winston, that other politicians in other countries will stand up like Andrew Bridgen and demand inquiries well, and that yeah. they can then use this sort of uh this sort of entry point what was this data about that you the were unique gonna... the unique thing about this data is it, it is a payment system basically um and it's a it's a we pay for each dose that is administered by the um, providers the healthcare providers so they they set up these centers, vaccination centers. They perform a load of vaccines. They, they record all this data in amazing detail, by the way. It's all high-tech stuff. So even the time when the, the needle goes into the arm is recorded, when the needle comes out of the arm is also recorded. So vast amounts of highly accurate quality data is encapsulated in this system. And it's for every single dose that is administered, 
the providers get a payment, uh, $35 or $40, depending on, um, you know, if it's after hours or public holidays, things like that. And um, I've heard, yeah, it's essentially I've heard $60, $100. I've heard a wide variety of money yeah. making. Yeah, it is. Uh, there is a financial incentive, definitely for this so you think you know if you if you're a provider and you're getting paid 40 bucks a shot what is it in your best interest to do first do no harm i'll just get those needles in as many arms as possible and get the money that that's the that's the thing about this um the unique thing about this data just how much information is there you know we we up, up to now we've been Depositing this data from murky data sets and and putting it and and you virtually know what the person had for breakfast. You know, it's the 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 high level of data. You know, we know their date of birth. We know, yeah, it's just incredible. It's incredible, and and that's why I think it's uh, it's going to be a great resource for finding out what went wrong, uh, and why it's just so incredibly powerful uh, and. Uh, makes the point that this shot has to stop. We won't say their names yet because um, they've asked us to keep them private, but you have sent this data to overseas statisticians as well, haven't you, Winston? Yeah, well, I'm not a statistician by trade. I'm not a data analyst. Um, you know, I do know a bit of maths. Uh, I've got a scientific background. I know computers a lot, um, know databases a lot. But yes, to to get some validation, um, it's easy enough to send over a set of redacted data. You don't have to mention names. Um, you can you can redact the sites. Even you just say it's you know site A, site B, that sort of thing. Um, you know, vaccinator one, vaccinator two, that sort of thing. You can hide all the identities you want, and you keep you know, a date of birth, which gives you an edge. And um, and uh, you can then do all sorts of analysis at that stage. It just becomes data. It's just um, a question of doing some statistics on it. So you send over this data and yeah, people will look at it and say, well, this is statistically significant. This, this um, cluster here, this should never happen in the size of the data set. You know, 2.2 million is the, the, the number of individuals who's, who have been on the system. Um, I think that the total number of vaccinations per se that this, um, or transactions is over 4 million, but 2.2 million actually actual people are on the system. And from that, you can, you can extrapolate all sorts of stuff when you're looking at stats, it's just purely a stats exercise. And you say, <clears throat> well, if this is the, the underlying mortality rate for this age group of people, then the chances of this cluster here happening, almost zero. And that's just one example. You know, there's, there's multiple clusters, there's clusters everywhere. There's clusters of 10, 20, 30, 40. It's, uh, yeah, so when you add all that together, you're looking at an impossible event. And yeah, that's, that's what they've come back with. Yeah, there's, there's, there's some amazing information in here and I cannot get all of it out. It would take me a lifetime to do that. So that's why I'm relying on people from 
you know, universities, academics, whatever, have a look at it. Have just look at the redacted data and just see it as a statistical exercise. You don't have to mention, you know, these are these are people just have like two dates and say, what are the chances that this happens? You know, so it becomes a yeah, and it's it's going to be interesting. What's what comes out of this will will be interesting. I mean, it's already mind blown stuff, right? I get that, but there's a lot of data in here to unpack. We're only just at the start of it. And this is just one place in the world. And hopefully it'll come out that there are other places with similar data that they can share. That you, your heroism will inspire others. Absolutely. Just let's hope that um, it comes out because it, people need to know this is, these are human beings. These are people's lives. We shouldn't, we shouldn't treat people like this. Dr. Paul, what is a, uh, a a P number that you referred to before? Well, in, in statistics, you, you can never say that something is uh, 100 uh, certain uh, or impossible. It's, it's always couched in, in terms of probability, where zero, uh, you're approaching zero, which is impossible, or approaching one, which is certain. And in some of these p-values have got such large negative exponents. They're such tiny fractions that they're as close to zero as I've ever seen. Uh, um, in, you know, just incredible. How uh, um, If this was safe, if there weren't clusters, um, if, if this wasn't a real, um, a real event, you wouldn't be seeing these sort of numbers. So p-value, just, just briefly, is... So... It's so it's a probability. It's a probability. So, like in a study, you might say this effect is real if if the p value is 0 0.05, which means that if you did uh, a five percent chance, uh, uh, a five percent that this result appeared by chance, or 0 0.01, a one percent chance. So, if you did a, a hundred studies. Um, maybe this result would happen in one of the studies. Now we've got 0 .0000000000, so many zeros that uh, uh, it, you know in the world of probability it's as close to impossible uh, as, as you can. But like I say, it's always couched in those terms in terms of uh, statistics. Impossible that it would be caused by a natural event. There is by, by chance. By chance. By chance. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the next slide. This is very helpful. What have we here, Winston? Okay, can you see that? Yes. Uh, so, yeah, these are the top sites. Oops. And it's got the number of um, deaths within that site and the total number of vaccinations and then the ratio. So we just divide one by the other, come up with the ratio, which is a percent. And the, the underlying mortality, average mortality rate for New Zealand, 0.75%. Just bear that in mind. So what we see here, these, these places, these vaccination sites, um, we have the top one there, top of the chart, 31% mortality, nearly 32%. So it means almost one in three people who went to this place or we're in this place, uh, no longer with us. They were so in this a, place and they received the vaccinations yeah. and a third of them now. Now they're gone, yeah, now are gone. Um, 
the other one, 30%, 30%, 29 29%, 28%. These, these are huge mortality rates, absolutely huge. And the other thing that we, we talked about the South Island, um, but we didn't mention is that nearly all of these sites, all of these sites are mobile sites, which is another question that needs to be asked. What is happening with the mobile sites? Why so many, why so many deaths from mobile sites? Explain why, what's why such your definition high ratios? of mobile. What's your they, definition of they, mobile? They go, they go around to rest homes, nursing homes, places like that. Um, with the, the COVID vaccine in a, in a truck. And it's, it's got to be specially treated and handled and all there's a whole protocol around it. Um, so they, they go to all these um, retirement villages and whatnot, and they will just then go and inject, vaccinate all the residents there. So that's, they were what, going a, to that's what a mobile site is. Yeah. They were and going to schools with these mobile sites as well. Yeah. You schools know, as well. And look at the numbers, you know, 800, Queen's Park Medical, 837 vaccinations, 253 of those are not with us anymore. You yeah. know, it's... Um, it's horrifying. These are these are questions that need to be asked. And, you know, uh, I've said it before, we, we shouldn't shoot down. We need to shoot up. These places, you know, we've got to look at who is responsible for this at the end of the day, we, we need to point upwards. It's the politicians who mandated it. It's it's the drug companies themselves that made it and never did any you know proper testing on it. Um, those are the ones who are really responsible. Yes. It's not, I, it's I, not I, the sites themselves per se. I, I know that... Um... There's an army of trolls and, and, and paid workers who, who, who constantly uh, argue that what, whatever, um, whenever you raise a safety issue or an issue of corruption, uh, there's a, a vast army of paid people to, to pay cover for it. Uh, this is why I'm, you know, you look, just look at this and you can see um, that um, it's not going to be easy to cover this. Um, it's not. It's not to signal out these sites, but just to make the point that this will not be easy to cover. No, you can't. You these these mortality rates are off the chart, so they they can't be explained under normal circumstances. So they have to be held to account. And you know these these people who have these jobs to say that oh you know it's everything's normal, nothing to see here. Move along, move along. It must absolutely suck to be them. I feel so bad for them to have that kind of attitude and that kind of life. At the very least, they're complicit to it. And if, if they know what's really going on, and yet still the narrative that they give is to take the vaccine, if they know in their heart that it is a killer, and yet they're still telling people to take the vaccine, oh, shame on you. Shame on them. And one thing I would want to come out of this interview is this. Please, if you are watching this, can you send it and send it in vast numbers to your local newspaper, your national newspapers in mainstream media and demand that they look at this unequivocal data so that they will no longer hold up the government lies and the government and pharmaceutical 
misleading information that we were given from them. I would ask you to demand of your mainstream media outlets that they start telling the people the truth. Let's move on to the next slide, Winston. Yep. Good luck with that, by the way. Yes. <laughs> so this is the these are the batch numbers that we have. Um, so we don't have the actual Pfizer batch numbers, but we can we could get that from official information requests. I'm sure people are entitled to know which batch of the vaccine that they were injected with. That should be a fundamental right of information that we all have. So we've got our internal system batch IDs, which do correlate to the actual Pfizer batch IDs. So you've got um, the batch ID, you've got the total vaccinated and total death count and the ratio, a similar format to before. Um, so you see from batch ID number one, you've got 711 who were vaccinated and 151 of those and 152 are unfortunately now dead, which gives you a ratio of 21.38%. So it's one in five who were vaccinated by batch number one, now no longer with us. Can you take us through the next few lines there? Yep. The second um, one is batch eight. Yep. So it's it's the batches were rolled out sequentially in time order. So you would expect the, the earliest batches to have the highest death count just by, just because they were the first ones rolled out. And it's also those are the batches that are going to be dose number one and dose number two, because everyone was dosed up with the first batches, right? So after after that, the higher the batch number, the higher the dose number. So it's basically the correlation is the lower the batch ID, the lower is the dose number that is going to kill you. If that makes sense. So there's, a, and if it was a sequential thing, it would be like one, two, three, four, five, but it's, it's not, you get a, a batch number eight. So you've got a, a whole, you know, um, Batch number two is in the middle there somewhere, three there, uh, five isn't even on there. Could we so, go through batch number eight? So you have 221 yep. total vaccinated. You have 38. That gives a ratio of what? 17, 17%. And, you know, bearing in mind the underlying mortality rate, um, 0.75. And these batches, um, they're administered across the board. There's no specific age range to them. So they should reflect the general New Zealand population. And if they reflect the general New Zealand population across all ages, then the mortality rate should be 0.75. Wow. And instead for line for batch three, we've got what ratio there? 15.48%. And, and I think the key line here, Dr. Paul, is that line down the bottom. Could you just read that out? Chances. Chances of these batches not being a killer are 100 billion to one. Wow. I got that from a statistician, so it's it's verified. This is a thing. It's not just me. I didn't just say that. That's from Ooh. one of the world's leading statisticians. He looked at the data and said, this is not a chance. This is this is a thing. So it's not one, chance. it's not, it's not one batch, it's batch after batch after batch after yes. batch after batch. That's that's how you get to these ridiculously um um unlikely results. I mean a hundred billion to one, two point two million people in the system. You know, there's not a hundred billion people in New Zealand <laughs> or even the world, you know, it's just these are crazy numbers. 
100 billion to one means you'd have to inject 100 billion to get yes these results yes these results. results yeah this is crazy all your reaction to this you you your medical background you must be shuddering yeah i mean these ratios are incredibly high you know and yet we're still hear echoes of safe and effective, safe, safe and effective, effective, safe and effective. Um, there is no way that these um, can be safe and effective when they have batch after batch after batch, which is killing such a high proportion of the people who have received them. Um, and people should be very, very concerned uh, and should demand that, that it stop. Absolutely. And beyond that, demand that those who rolled this out, particularly if they knew this, even if they didn't, they, they were negligent not to know this, those in government who kept insisting on this need to be held accountable in our courts of law, in my opinion. What do either of you say to that? I agree. I agree. Accountability is, is something that I've been talking about since 2021. That's what I warned the then health minister. Um, this is why I'm so grateful uh, for this data. Um, it's time for accountability and it's time for it to stop. Let's move on to the next slide, Winston. Yep. Um, yeah, just to echo, I'm totally 100% in favour of that. Some, the people do need to be held accountable and the, the people need to see that. There needs to be, justice needs to be done. So we we will we will get there. Um, this slide is vaccinate names, same format as before. So I've redacted the names of the vaccinators. These are the, the top ones. And you see vaccinator one there, they jabbed 246 people. 60 of them are now no longer with us. That's a percentage of 24.39%. That means one in four that they injected died. One in four. That's like, like Paul's analogy, Russian roulette with a revolver, but only four chambers, one in four. And moving down the second highest, 22%, close to one in five. And on and on it goes. It's just, um, and these are big numbers as well. This is not, um, this is not a statistical anomaly. If the higher the number you get, if, it, if the number's over 200, you can, you can discount skews. So this 1,682, 239. I'm looking at the middle one, V5, 14.21%, a huge ratio. So yeah, these, these, this might be related to sites and batches. There's a, like a, a ton of work that needs to be done on this, but there's a ton of questions that need to be asked. Will you be putting this redacted data out for the world's population to see, or at this stage, are you going to focus on the scientists and the statisticians? Yeah, I'll give it to the scientists and statisticians first, just to so that you know it's it's protecting that those involved as much as possible at this stage, just so it's a, it's a it's an exercise in statistics. It's got to be seen that way. And then there's there's no bias involved. Um, it's just, this is what it is. 
I would advocate in the end for it to go wider than that because there are many very astute people who have sorted out a lot of information for themselves in the last few years. It's incredible the number of self-educated and very awake, very aware human beings around the world now who've had to analyze and work out through the mountain of lies they've been given yep. what the truth is. And absolutely, this this is government data. It's 100% accurate as far as I can tell. Um, and it is, yeah, it's government. So they cannot deny it. They cannot deny that this data exists. It is your data. And yeah, it needs to be analyzed to the nth degree so that we can get as much out of this as possible and then make sure that it, we never go through this hell ever again. So in the long run, would you put it out to the wider population, Winston? Would you consider that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's there for, it's the public's data. It's there for their consumption. All right, let's move I just on. want, I, I want it to be seen by all the, the Harvard people, the, the Oxford people first, so that, that they can get a, a clear, clear shot of it. And then they can come up with, prove me wrong. Yeah, let's have it. Let's have it out there. I'd love Jay Batakaria from Stanford to have a look at it too. Stanford, whatever, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the next slide. The, yeah, this was, this was a, basically the chart before, the, the map before that we saw, the South Island. So this is the population breakdown by location. Let me just move my thing. Um, so I concentrated, I focused just on Auckland, Christchurch, Invercargill, and Gore. Because that was like the, the total, the skew of the South Island with Gore having two sites of interest and Invercargill having the biggest one and Christchurch having over half of them. So if you look at it normally, the population, um, how it breaks down by each population center would look like this. So if you've got Auckland here, yeah, you've got your population 1.6 million, which is um, basically one in three of New Zealanders live in Auckland. Christchurch population, 7.7%. Then you've got Invercargill, 1.1%. Gore, right at the bottom, 0.2% of the population of New Zealand live in Gore. Then the rest of New Zealand is 59%. So that's just basically a population breakdown, um, the most current stats I could find. The next one, what we're looking at, is the distribution of the worst, the top 20 worst sites would be under normal population distribution. So under on the left-hand side, if, if it was a normal sort of thing, you'd see um, Auckland sites, you'd have between six and seven, just because of the, the size of Auckland, our biggest city. Christchurch, you'd have between one and two sites in the top 20. Um, in Vicargill, you'd have zero, essentially, 0.22. And Gore sites, yeah, forget it. Gore should not be on this. And the rest of New Zealand should have between 11 and 12 sites of interest. But what you actually see, what the actual data shows on the right-hand side, you've got the actual distribution of the top 20 worst sites. Christchurch, over half. Now compare that to the left-hand side. Christchurch has got 10 sites, which are in the top 20 alone. The rest of New Zealand, you've got five. Auckland, you only have two. Our biggest city only two sites of interest. The same as Gore, Gore 0.2% of the population. 
with two sites, the same number as Auckland. Questions? Invercargill, you've got the worst, the worst of the lot, the worst cluster of the lot, 50, 50 people injected within a couple of hours, now no longer with us. That is extraordinary. And I think Gore had only about has only about 13,000 people. Yep. And look at its representation there. Yep. What is this telling us? This is what we just don't know yet. But word, as you said, Dr. Paul, earlier, were dirty batches sent down there, were wrong batches, experimental batches. Was it poorly handled? We just don't know what this is actually throwing up, do we? No, but we're seeing lightning striking in places like Gore. Um, uh, lightning that just can't be explained. Um, what yeah, would there's, there's tragedies unfolding down there. They, the people in Gore and Invercargill are probably just asking, you know, what is happening here? They're being devastated. They must know what's going on. And the worst thing is they're being gaslit by, the, yes. by their politicians and by their doctors and being told everything's fine here. There's nothing to see. Nothing to see. Come and get, come and get your next shot. Yep. And um, there is something to see here. Absolutely, there is. So, yeah. And, it's just, and what, um, would you, what would you say should be done about this? We need this to be front and centre in the inquiry, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, we, we definitely need a government inquiry about this. There's a lot of questions need to be asked and um, a lot of questions. I can think of a few off the top of my head, like how is it how is it transported down there? Why is Auckland different? I mean, it's an arduous journey down to places like Gore on the South Island. What were the what were the storage facilities like? You know, because because this vaccine has to be handled extremely carefully. I mean, even Pfizer give a whole list of instructions that you know you cannot you cannot store it out of this temperature range, and if you do. You can only use it for how long, and it's 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 unbelievably delicate how this vaccine is. You know, if you, if you go outside any of those parameters, you don't know what you're dealing with. You know, as if the vaccine is stored at room temperature for a certain length of time, they say it's unusable. But you know, what what would happen if you actually did use it? But Winston, you looked up earlier, you looked up uh, temperature care for vaccines. Tell us about that, what what your... Yeah, well, this is, anyone can do it. Um, just do a, a Google search on um, the Pfizer COVID vaccine temperatures and you'll get a whole list. And this is a Google search, a whole list of all government and official websites all over the world, you know, MedSafe, whatever, NHI, America... Um, the, the New Zealand ones, you know, British ones, and they will all say different things. They all say different things, how it should be stored and how it should be handled and for how long. It's, yeah. And I yeah this was a novel technology. This was a novel technology. In each yeah. country, it's got to be handled differently. That's a bit weird, isn't it? And it's, it, it's, it, it is strange, yeah, gobbledygook. It, it's, it's, unlike, it's unlike anything we previously called a vaccine. It's one of the things I told the medical council in my hearing in 2021, that it's been called a vaccine, but this is a totally new technology. And 
as a totally new technology, we have no long-term safety data. And um, the lipid nanoparticles uh, also, you know, it's the, the storage is vitally important for them because they can clump and, uh, and, and they can behave very differently if they're not handled just so. And uh, I think we may be seeing evidence uh, uh, of how important that uh, it, it was handled just so. And yet they went ahead and treated it as if it was um, an understood, known, commonplace technology. No, it, it was an entirely novel technology that had never been unleashed on a large scale. Um, it raises serious questions. Absolutely. And and beyond that, I think, you know, at the other end of the spectrum from the poor handling potentially of the vaccine, one has to ask the bigger questions. Was this a form of a hit on the South Island of New Zealand? Was there some experiment on different parts of New Zealand with different dosages being carried out? There are There are many Kiwis now who are wondering, as I said earlier, if we are not deemed an experimental population by people like those who run the WHO and the WEF and the UN. And there are many Kiwis pushing back on this now. Any comments on that from either of you? These are things that as yet we cannot prove, of course. Yeah, it's more like the WTF, isn't it, at this stage? And they're, they're all perfectly valid questions. And um, yeah, the, the, the people on the South Island deserve answers because this is this is a terrible, terrible thing that's happened to them. This is like a second earthquake in Christchurch, you know? Yeah. Um, what, is, what is it about Christchurch? It's, it's terrible. They've suffered enough. They have. They've suffered enough, and we all have suffered enough in New Zealand, in Australia, and around the world. So your final thoughts from both of you, if we can just bring the screen back to full screen, uh, Winston. Yep. I'd like to, to finish this interview yeah. with all of you here. Yes, <laughs> wonderful. It's been it's been such an honor to talk to you both, and it's been really enlightening. This calm way of unpacking, in fact, devastating information, I think will help a lot of people come to terms with what is just so uh, unpalatable in the end. But your final comments, Dr. Paul, from this whole experience of being involved with the whistleblower and his courage. Yes, it's it's undoubted. It's 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 very humbling to be involved uh, in this project. Uh, as difficult as it is to see this material, uh, I uh, I think we all want people to be safe. Um, and and to be free, and uh, only only by transparency uh, and openness uh, will we be able to achieve that. Only by eliminating censorship will will we return to democracy. Because I think we've strayed too far, and I, I'm sure we all pray that the the benefit will come from this, and that the harm the harm will stop, and that we will come back to a sane rational society. Beautifully said. And and your thoughts, Winston. Yeah, I meant to that. That was that was amazing, Dr. Paul. Thank you. Um what 
I think I think we've strayed from a road and we're down a, a dark, <clears throat> we're in a dark place now. And the, the further down this road we go, the harder it's gonna be to get back to where we should be. And we we need to do exactly what you say. We need to we need to reassess and we need to we need to change the way we've been doing things. This has been a nightmare. The last two years have been an absolute nightmare. It's, it has been like gone through Orwell's 1984. It's like living a, a novel, you know, it's, it's fiction, but it's real. And it's like, this, these, these things shouldn't happen. Mandates, lockdowns, and forced, you know, you, to go on holiday, you had to be injected. And, and the, the whole Orwellian double think, it's like, oh no, you, you can't, this is not true because we tell you that it's not true. The, the, the ministry of truth, you know, the prime minister saying that we are the single source of the truth. It's like, <laughs> no, you're not. Come on. <laughs> and the, the whole thing about science, we are the science, the speed of science is it? Now science is science is science. It's about being skeptical and curious and, you know, just wondering about the earth and being open to have discussion, freedom of speech. You know, yeah, I might disagree. You might disagree with me. I would die on a hill to protect your right to say that, whatever you want to say. If you want to get injected 50 times, having seen all the data, then yeah, sure, go ahead. You know, but I have a right not to do that and you should respect my right as I respect yours. So what, what I want out of this in a nutshell is just two words. And I've said that right from the start, never again, never again, this happens. Not for my kids, not for anyone's kids. This is just, no, it stops now. That's extraordinary. And I think my final words to both of you, you, as a as a woman wanting to see a better world for my children's children, you two men give me great hope. We have needed male leadership. Many women stood up at the beginning and spoke out. To see the courage of both of you, to see the willingness to stand up and take whatever comes at you and tell the truth anyway is what we need in this world. And I'm going to reinforce what Winston asked. Please, would more whistleblowers come forward and do what both of these men have done. But both of you, you Paul as a doctor and you Winston, for your sheer courage and honesty, you give me great hope for a far better world to come. Thank you both. It'll come. Thank, Thank you. you.